right, you guys are on the Arms Room Show with Glenn. And Drew. And Gabe. Woo, thanks to all of our patrons for supporting the show. If you're not a patron, you should become a patron. It's 10 bucks a month. Become a patron. Support the show. Keep us going. And help us help you. Because through our patronage and Patreon, we do community service. So our Stop the Bleed programs, the things we do for schools and security uh, for churches and all that kind of jazz is all done thanks to our patronage. So if you're not a patron, please become a patron. Why are you looking at me like that? I'm not looking at you like anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. I know there's a problem. Sometimes there's a problem when you look at me like that. Okay. No problems, I guess. None. Alumni Forum. If you're not on the Alumni Forum and you're an independence training student, you need to get on the Alumni Forum because... Today. That's where we are posting alumni events. That's where we are doing our invitation-only alumni events. It's where everything's going. And it's on the website, and it's secured by us. So, oh, excuse me. It's a closed forum. It's only alumni. You'll love it. <clears throat> we got some new Rebellion stickers. So we've got our Whiskey Rebellion patches. And, you know, everyone likes a good patch. But patches are hard to wear around everywhere. But the new the new Whiskey Rebellion Stickers we're actually pretty excited about because they're a little bit smaller than a patch. So they're small enough. Our biggest complaint against stickers is we always get all these awesome stickers, and they're huge. They're fucking huge. I got no space left on my whatever to put another sticker, or it's just too damn big and takes up too much space. So the new Whiskey Rebellion stickers are a little bit smaller, and they say on them now in a pretty cool little font, Rebellion. So, you know. There's that. There's that. They're going to be going up on the website very soon. Today. They'll go up there today. So take a look at those if you want to get your hands on some Rebellion stickers. I'm sure we'll be at classes passing them out because I want everyone to have them. Oh, let's see. What do we got going on <clears throat> in the world today? Over 100 guns stolen in a Michigan gun store after store managers forced to reveal alarm code. More than 100 handguns were stolen from a store in southwestern Michigan after the manager was held at gunpoint outside his home and forced to reveal how to turn off the alarm. And uh, here we go. And then some idiot from the ATF trying to give quotes on it. Pretty fucking hilarious. But uh, they did recover them, which is pretty, pretty crazy. But check this out. A store manager told investigators uh, he was confronted Thursday night blindfolded and placed in the rear seat of a car and then forced to give up the code. Now, here's why I think that this is an interesting story. Primarily, a lot of this has to do to, with, for me, for, like OPSEC per sec, like operational security, personal security. This is one of the things I remember when Drew was still in finance working at the bank and she would tell me about like the different training that they would get as bank management, how they wouldn't, you know, they're not supposed to drive the same route every day. They, before they pull up to the bank, they're supposed to drive around the bank. They go in, you guys put something in the window, right, Drew? Yeah, and we changed it. We changed it every quarter, so it was never the same. Never so the same had, thing, yeah. So when you would walk in, so one person would go in, so you had A codes and B codes. A codes would walk in first because they had the keys to unlock the door. Um, you would put a searching signal. So we would stick like a sticky note or maybe one of our FDIC signs and we'd place it in a window. We would change windows. Sometimes we'd do blind halfway down. Um, so my favorite, because it was very discreet, was the blinds. Because you sticking a sticky note on the window is pretty obvious, right? 
even if people are, I mean, we've had weird people just sit in the parking lot for whatever reason. Right. So we would do, um, my favorite was we'd take one of the blinds and put it halfway down. And then protocol was when we opened the bank, all the blinds went down. So it just looks like, oops, someone left it there. And then once the all clear was good to go, uh, that person would come in and then put the blind all the way down or maybe take the remove the sticky note and put a different sign up. And, and they changed every single quarter. But that allows um, knowing that. And then we had another sign if there was somebody in the building. And, you know, people who are casing the place know exactly what's going on. Um, bank protocol is pretty much bank protocol. We talk about it a lot, whatever. Uh, and so we had a different sign for when there was duress and that people could hit the panic buttons. So the point is, is like there's known problems, right? And and there's mm -hmm. it's not that hard to have a little understanding that if you're someone like the manager of a bank, like Drew was talking about, or a manager of a gun store, like in this situation, operational security and personal security may be something that are a little bit more important to you. I mean, look, I hate referencing movies for anything, but look at the movies. Right? What do they do when they want to get someone? What do they do? They go to their fucking house. They go kidnap their wife or their kids or something like that. You know, and then they're like, give us the key. And the guy's like, I would never give you the key. And then they pull out their phone. And they're like, here's a video of us about to throw your children off the bridge. <laughs> the guy's like, oh, my God, here's the key, right? Spoiler alert, they're still going to throw your fucking kids off the bridge. But the point is, is that if you don't have operational or personal security, like, can, think about it for a minute. What's your job? Would anyone ever want to rob your job or take advantage of information that you know? I mean, some of you guys have some pretty sensitive information or jobs that are particular that might you know, be kind of sensitive or exploitable. Think about that and maybe lock it down a little bit more. So this was a pretty damn hilarious story that Gabe and I uh, had some good laughs about last week. And uh, I'm going to read, I'm going to read the title and I want you guys to just imagine this happening to you. Female air passenger who forcibly performed oral sex on man sitting next to her before he, in quotations, stopped resisting is escorted <laughs> off jet to cheers from fellow travelers after flight lands in Moscow. All right. So Gabe and I were on a pretty damn good laugh about this last week. So there's some pretty funny videos about this chick online being a weirdo. She's just generally being a weirdo. Then she forces a guy's pants down. Okay. And starts giving him a blow job. Surprisingly, the flight attendants waited until the end of the action and then only moved her further away. Wow. The woman fought back and did not want to leave her newly made companion. So uh, pretty funny because the guy, as I guess as she's trying to take off his pants, he is resisting. But then when she, when she gets uh, – she starts actually she doing, going. doing the thing, he, uh, he stops – resisting she finishes it all right and then they pull her away from him i i can't unpack all this in my brain i'll be honest this story is very interesting to me i want to know i want to know how do you get orally raped on a plane i don't know cuz how does a guy 
Yeah, try explaining. Even get or imagine trying to explain. Try that explaining to your that girlfriend to your, or your wife other. or whatever. You're like, oh, honey, honey, I was I'm on the plane. Just, and I'm just minding my own business. She just pulled my dick out she's and started just, going to town. Just, and, and I mean, I could, I didn't want to interrupt her. You know, she'd be like, "You're <laughs> such a fucking piece of shit." You expect me to believe this? <laughs> like, look, there's nothing funny about rape. Unless it's oral rape, in which case, on yeah, a dude on an airplane, in which case, fucking hilarious. I don't know how that works, honestly. <laughs> so really, the whole really thing don't. was pretty, uh, was pretty damn funny. But uh, I, I don't. There's really no point to us even telling this story on the show, other than the fact that it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, because I just can't. Funny. I just can't imagine that being a legitimate rape. Yeah, this guy's what he's like traumatized now. Yeah, I don't know how they. How they get to that point of calling this a rape? Yeah, <laughs> like how's he? He's got to go to counseling. Oh my god, I have these nightmares. Yeah, women just sucking my dick. It's horrible. <laughs> I wake up at night. It's terrible. I'm like, wow, this guy. This guy's yeah, like living the dream you're right now. Traumatized for sure, brother. <laughs> What's interesting is is consider. It kind of goes into this. The next couple stories we've got here. Consider this, that the same people that if consensually, non-crazily, if consensually two people started having sex of any kind on the plane, that would be mass hysteria. People would be doing all, like, like the lady who peed on the plane. We read, yeah. Oh, that know, was so that People were the losing their minds, possessed. right? Because that's like a consensual thing, right? Well, there were two crazy people. On and the then, yeah, all the other crazy people. But my point being is that because this is some crazy gal raping a guy, nobody, like, stopped it. No one said, no, no one did. No let, one. let it roll, I guess. Very interesting. It's, it's a very double standard thing, so. I guess I guess the skies are open if you're flying to Moscow. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Kind of sort of ties into this next story. FBI agent carjacked in Washington, the latest in string of high-profile carjackings. So here's what's interesting is that, you know, the same people who can't even keep you safe, uh, not that it's their job to keep you safe, but they, they profess that that's their job, cannot keep themselves safe. So if they cannot keep themselves safe... How do you expect them to keep you how safe? How can they possibly keep the rest of... Uh, society safe. Carjackings in the nation's capital are up 104%. Recent victims include a diplomat from the UAE and U.S. Uh, Representative Harry Kuehler of Texas. He was carjacked near the co- uh, near the capital in October by three armed assailants. Earlier this month, Secret Service agents protecting Joe Biden's granddaughter opened fire after three people tried to break into an unmarked Secret Service vehicle. Here's the best part. No one was struck. <laughs> so they shot at him and nothing happened. Violent crime in Washington's up more than 40% since the same time last year. I mean, here's what we continuously... Anyone who's anti-gun, anti-self-defense, whatever. First of all, they're, they're, they're fucking weak-ass bitches. So I don't know. If you want to talk to them still, that's fine. But if you are talking to these idiots, this is the only shit you really need to like point out to them. Yeah. Is, dude... All you have to do is look at the most violent countries, the most violent states, the most violent cities, and all that you will see is consistently they are the places with the strictest gun control. Across the fucking board. There's no place that has like, yeah, man, guns are available for everyone everywhere, and it's also the most violent place in the world. It just Because it adds the level of uh, variable to the criminal. Yeah. 
And I mean, that's the way it's always been forever. But you take that away and it's just what we're seeing now, which is a complete free-for-all. There's another kind of disturbing thing that's happened uh, over in Ireland. So Ireland has had a massive influx of uh, immigrants and refugees from various different places, most recently Ukraine and and similar uh, areas of trouble. Violent protests in Dublin after a woman and her child, or children, excuse me, were injured in a knife attack. So crowd chanting anti-immigrant slogans clashes with police hours after stabbing incident outside school. And this did happen a couple of weeks ago. I'm just kind of getting around to talking about it. But the, the Garda commissioner said a complete lunatic faction that's driven by a fi- far-right ideology was behind the disorder. Now... Here's the interesting concept about this. They don't give a fuck that these people are coming in and doing crime. You you notice that they're not making any big rash statements about the people committing these stabbings. They're not making any rash statements about the rise of crime, just like in Washington. You don't have the people, you know, or the uh, the representatives standing up for the people and saying, like, hold on, man. You know, vehicle carjackings are up 104 percent. Violent crime is up 40 percent. My God, we've got to do something about that. We've got to handle these problems. Instead, they don't. But if somebody else tries to, they're coming down with the full force of law on you. Mm-hmm. So that's just like what's happening in Dublin. And this is an indicator of what you're going to see happening more and more and more here, which you're already starting to see happening. In these big cities where they have you know, no bail arrests and they have – or bondless. I shouldn't say no bail. It's really more bondless arrests. Like they don't care. They, just, they don't even arrest people now. They're not even sending cops out to some of these crimes. It's, in, it's crazy. But then if someone steps up in defense of themselves or their property against these people, boom, the fucking hammer comes down on them. Yeah, out of nowhere. And so it's like these uh, employees stopping people from shoplifting, and then they are getting fired. And it just boils down to what we keep talking about. Like, I feel like we talk about this every week is people are getting fucking tired of this shit. And they're taking things into their own hands, and then they're getting fucked for it. And it's such a huge problem. I mean, it's like the bears being poked over and over again, whether it's, you know, some guy comes in once a week and steals stuff from their store at their retail store. And they're like, whatever. But then it keeps happening and it keeps happening and it keeps happening. And then they see videos on, you know, when they open up their phone of it happening and they see it, you know, wherever else on the news, these giant flash of looters and stuff like that. People get tired of that shit. You know, I don't experience that stuff on a daily basis working in like a, normal job, but I would get so tired of that so fast, people just coming in and stealing stuff. And you also look at it from there is a sense of personal pride that I think the majority of people have where, yeah, you may not love your job, yeah, but there really aren't that many people, even though some people go to work and there's like, fuck it, fuck this place and I'll burn it down or whatever. You know? And people say that kind of shit, but really if somebody came in and was taking or stealing, or like if someone else, you found out someone else was taking from the company or whatever, you'd be like, no, hold on just a fucking second, right? Yeah. Like I, I work hard to, to keep this place going. I work hard to do my part, and my, I may be a, a small cog in a big wheel, but, you know, I have some kind of fucking pride here. Yes. Yeah, you know, and so it's like, yeah, if, if I was a, a worker at the Target store or whatever, you know, yeah. and uh, and people were shoplifting, I would I would try to stop them. Yeah. Not because I'm not I'm not risking my life for Target. I'm not risking my life. No, for it's Target. a principle, though. 
You know? There's an ideology at work here. There, there's a sense of personal pride of this is where I work and you don't get to come in to where I spend a lot of my days yeah. and just cause fucking problems. And you don't get to step outside of the rules that the rest of us have to follow to be decent, good people. You don't get to do that with impunity. You just fucking don't. Yep. So now I'm going to crack you upside your stupid fucking melon with some heavy fucking shit. You know, and the problem is that then if you, you guys fucking know how to silence your That's fucking computers, me. is that you, Gabriel? That was me. Drew, that Drew sent me an email. So I like how you blame it on me. Well, I heard, I heard your fucking <laughs> and then I thing. Silenced you me. both have. Oh my god, <laughs> fucking you my guys. Computer has been silenced. So, anyways, <laughs> it's been silenced. <laughs> the point being is, this is indicative of of what's coming in the future for all of us. Yeah. Know that when when all this shit really kicks off and kick off, it will at some point at some level. And there's roving bands of peaceful protesters, you know, going through neighborhoods and destroying things. Know that when you decide to make the choice to come up against them, you're going to be penalized. Yeah, that was the other thing I was going to say. Like, you are, we are not the good guys anymore. Mm-mm. That's that's as plain as you can make it. Like, we are not the good guys. We are not the people that are going to, you know, be shown lightly in the media or in your community or anything like that. And you have to be okay with that and understand what that really means. I mean... We could pull up hundreds of cases of people doing the right thing at the right time and still getting raked for it, pulled over the, the coals. They lose their jobs, all of that kind of stuff. And you have to be okay with that, you know? And then the problem is, is that then, then the good guys, who are no longer the good guys, as you said, they get so fucking frustrated. They do some crazy shit. That then they do crazy shit. Yep. Like that kid that we were talking about last week. Yeah, who went and shot that shot fucking that homeless, homeless guy. guy. Yeah, because he yeah. raped his girlfriend and no one fucking did anything about it. Yep. It's like, so you get so tired of the injustice. You get so tired of being let down by the system. You get so tired of having to deal with, like, why Why am I being, you know, whatever. They found a $500 discrepancy in your taxes and now you're being penalized. Yeah, getting and you're fucking like, audited. M- meanwhile, these fucking shitheads over here are on fucking welfare and these shitheads over here are looting and these shithead homeless people over here are fucking making my whole neighborhood look like trash or whatever and the fucking billions of dollars are going overseas and then blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it just gets over. It's like, until eventually you're fucking building the, a bulldozer, an armored bulldozer. Next thing you know, you Kill know Bulldozer I mean? time. And it's like, So it's tough because, and then those people are then even further villainized and they're, they're even because they're like, Oh, this guy went crazy. Did he, Yeah. did he go crazy? I don't Mm -hmm. know if he went crazy. I think some of these guys are doing some of the most sane things probably ever. Well, and you know, the other thing is too, it's like, I think the problem with the quote unquote good guys is we've always been like, no, we're going to follow the system. We're we're going to follow the rules. But then when everyone else is breaking them, you're like, hold the fuck up the fuck is this like this is bullshit mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that's when you get those kill dozer situations is di- total disregard by anyone outside of them you know breaking the rules getting let off on this getting let off on that and then they're like this is bullshit i'm getting whatever done to me for whatever i did or nothing is happening i don't know because there's different rules for those other people. Yeah, exactly. For whatever reason that there's yeah. different rules. They're ex- somehow exempt from this from this system that we're all supposed to follow. It's like one of the worst things you can do as a parent, in my opinion, is make different rules for different kids. Oh, mm-hmm. well, this kid needs different rules because they're different. Or this kid needs different rules 
because, you know, they have this thing going on or they're on this medication or they have this situation or whatever. It's like, yeah, you may think that all that bleeds out pretty well from a leadership, from a top-down perspective, but from a bottom-up perspective, I can tell you, your, your other kids are looking at Complete going, corruption. What the fuck is going yeah. on? Like, And then sometimes they'll be like, yeah, I don't know, man. These other kids just started acting out. It's like, yeah, they're acting out because they don't – why should they follow the fucking rules? Yeah. If, if – you got five kids and five different sets of rules mm-hmm. and any of the other five, let's say four of them decide that the one is being treated, you know, outside of the rules. Oh, it's okay for them to break the rules because they got a thing. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. I'm not following the fucking rules yeah. anymore. Fuck your rules. They obviously have no moral or ethical grounding or bearing if they're this goddamn flexible. Right. And so then you have people who get so frustrated because – of these, you know, rules that no one else is following. So yeah, it's like I ain't I don't want to get involved in other people's problems. And that's something we've always taught in our classes all the time, right? It's like, well, you know, would I would I defend a circle K or would I, you know, put my neck on the line for someone who I think might be getting beat up or something? And would I go intervene? And I used to very much be a no guy. Mm-hmm. You know, like no. I, there's no I'm not going to put what I have at risk to go help them. Recently, I'm starting to become more of a yes guy. And the only reason is because I want to punish people who deserve getting punished. Yeah. Because if I don't punish them, then what's going to happen? They're just going to do it again. The cop's going to come over here. Maybe if they lazily work their fucking way over here with their 8,000 fucking case caseload being 2,000 fucking officers short in metropolitan Phoenix, they have overworked, underpaid, not enough fucking help. They got way too many fucking cases to work. They're not going to come over here in a jiffy to take care of my case because I watched someone get beat up. Yeah. And they're going to find the guy. And if they do, they're going to arrest him. He's going to go into the system of which he's probably already a part. He's not going to do the right thing. He's not going to change this time. Nothing's going to happen. Assuming he even stays in jail, he'll serve whatever time he takes a year and a half or two years from now when his trial finally fucking concludes, during which time of, you know, he's either out on the streets still doing horrible shit or he's incarcerated and we're fucking paying for that as taxpayers. Yeah. He does his time. He comes out and he's the same motherfucker. Or we could put one in his fucking dome and call it a goddamn day. Yeah. But that kind of punishment isn't being delivered. And because it's not being delivered, things are getting worse. Violent crime is up in 40% in Washington, D.C. because people can't defend themselves. Yeah. Carjackings are up 104% in Washington, D.C. because they can't defend themselves. If you look at any of those places, like we said at the beginning of the show with those those strict gun policies and everywhere that you fucking can possibly be is is a gun-free zone, they are hot spots for violent crime. Mm -hmm. And because those people, those career criminals aren't fucking stupid. They know that, hey, no one here is armed. This is going to be an easy, you know, easy job. It's absolutely ridiculous to me. And then the people that live in those shitty places, A, either are like, well, at least we put places or things in step to, you know, prevent gun violence. I'm like, what the f- What are you talking about? Yeah. You have the most murders in the country, mm-hmm. you know? It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Those people are completely denu- delusional and fucking stupid. Oh, yeah. So I think that, you know, how, so how do we take this information and do anything with it? Uh, the way I think you take this information and do anything with it is, is understand that you're on your own, man. Yeah. And no one's coming to save you. In fact, people are coming to fuck you over. Yeah. Like if the cops show up at your house, I'll be totally honest with you guys. 
if the cops show up at your house to because someone tried to break in, you're almost just as likely to go to fucking jail as they are. Yeah, nowadays. Because they'll find <laughs> something. They're here. So, hey, we're here. Let's find something wrong with everyone. Yeah. Let's find something wrong with everyone. Yep. Let's make sure that everyone tonight gets fucking victimized. Let's make sure that fucking happens. That's the majority of departments out there. It's the majority of people out there working their jobs because they don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, that's why customer service is so low. It's like, oh, people are bitching about customer service and then think you're going to get good customer service from cops or firemen or, you know, medics or anything. It's the same fucking shit. Yeah. It's just a fucking job, man. Mm-hmm. You know, most people aren't doing that because they're serving the greater good. It's a fucking job. Yeah. With like, retirement <laughs> and benefits and all that kind of shit. It's just yeah, a only fucking job. i got five job. more years left on the force, then yeah. I can retire. Same thing with the military. It's like everyone thinking everyone in the fucking military is a hero. No, dude. They're Fuck just no, doing they're careerists. a fucking job, dude. Yep. And some of them are just there, not even careerists. They're there for uh, their, their term of enlistment, three years, four years, five years, whatever. Then they're the fuck out, and they're moving on with the rest of their life. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I'm not necessarily going to classify everyone who does that as some kind of fucking hero. They're not above everybody else. Right. They're just regular people doing a regular job is my point. So when I expect low customer service from the people at the fucking Circle K, guess who's working at the Circle K? That's a future cop. That's a future <laughs> army guy. That's a future soldier, marine, airman, coasty, fucking sailor, whatever. Yeah. Like that kid that you're like, these goddamn kids. Well, guess what those goddamn kids become? Cops, firemen, military personnel. So if you're putting those people up on a pedestal, don't. They'll come to your house. They'll shoot your dog. They will fuck your life up. They will write a ticket that will fuck you so fucking hard and they don't give a shit and they don't care that it's unconstitutional and they don't care that what they're doing isn't right. It's no different than the person who shows up at the fucking Circle K and you're like, hey man, can I get some help over here? Uh, okay. And they're like texting on their phone and they lazily walk over and you're like, what if I jump behind this counter and start beating the fuck out of you with yeah. that fucking phone? You know, but then who's going to be in the wrong? We you, will be yeah. in the wrong. So it's like, it's craziness. Like, I saw a great video of fucking, of all places, Seattle, right? They were having one of those giant protests. This was pretty recent. I don't even, I don't, it was either the fucking people for Israel or the people for Palestine. One of the two <laughs> fucking groups. Right, one of, those, one of the groups of idiots. Both the fucking same yeah. to me. Um, and they were blocking off the streets, right? Regular everyday people are trying to get to their fucking jobs and things. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see this all the time. Yeah. But there were actually cops there this time on fucking bicycles Mm -hmm. and the cop literally goes like well maybe they're just trying to get their point across and they got to make everyone else's life a little bit less convenient to do that that's the cop's fucking words yeah if i was the guy getting blocked trying to go to my job trying to put food on my family's table i would have fucking strangled that cop because i'm like what you're you're now justifying them breaking the law because it's some touchy fucking thing that you don't want to fucking deal with mm-hmm. so you don't get put on YouTube mm-hmm. and lose your fucking job. Because that's where this com- that's where that type of response is coming from. Yeah. Pure fucking cowardice. Yeah. They're overtly breaking the law right in front of you. Your job is to enforce those laws. But because it's a little too touchy and it, it poses a risk for you to do the right fucking thing, he's just going to be... that. It, it's fucking mind-blowing to me. Such a worthless piece of fucking scum shit that guy is. And I hope... That he can hear what I'm saying in one way, shape, or form. Because fuck you. Feels for, it. Fuck you for that. Obi just tripped You know what I mean? And right he's now. fucking got a two chin going on. And he says it in such a little pussy demeanor to the guy. Well, maybe that's just what they have to do to make everyone know their point. They have to make everyone's life a little bit more difficult. 
Fuck you. Fuck your whole bloodline. But that I hate you. But that that fucking litter cop, which is really what bicycle cops are, right? That fucking litter patrol. If I'm walking down the street and I'm done with a bottle of water and I throw it at the trash can and miss, I'm like, fuck it. Hey, motherfucker, that's littering. What are you doing? And it's like, well, didn't that peaceful protest that just came yeah. through here and block everyone off? I bet they left all kinds of shit behind. Yeah. Why aren't you fucking ticketing any of them for litter? And then they wonder why people drive through these fucking things because yeah. you get responses like that from the cops. Yeah. You're like, oh, I, I know I know how to get through this. Yeah, this I'll bitch put my four low. Yeah, I'll put my <laughs> fucking metal vehicle at 40 miles an hour through all these idiots uh-huh. who are blocking all these major intersections with bicycles. And it's totally appropriate. Yeah. In my opinion, no, it, it's yeah, totally appropriate to drive through a fucking crowd of people that are blocking you from getting to where you need to go. And this hopefully a public that... street. You don't get a fucking... Now, if, if you have gone down to the city, you have obtained the appropriate permits to shut down this part of the area... You know, like they do for races or events or whatever. Yeah. And you have the trof- tra- the proper traffic cordons and all that. Okay. I'm not going to drive through your properly placed barricades. I'm not going to. This is yours. You chose the right to do this. Your constitutional right, right. to say your, your piece. I got no problem with that. But if your expression of liberty is going to fuck with my liberty, it's no longer an expression of liberty. Yeah. Now you are infringing on my liberty and you don't get to do that. Yep. So I'm putting four low. Yeah. I will get the Danger Ranger. And I don't care if you're, I don't care if there's a bunch of fucking 12 year old kids in there. I'm fucking driving through them. I'm just so sick and tired of that What about the pregnant girl? Fuck that bitch. No one wants more of her. Why was she there then? If you're pregnant, don't fucking go to high risk environments. It's like when that guy fucking drove over that pregnant chick uh, during the BLM riots and everyone's like, oh my God. And look, she's a black chick, right? So she drives over this chick, right? And everyone's like up in arms. And there was a very uh, popular comedian who got up on stage and was just like, well, he probably ran over on our way to the abortion clinic, which is <laughs> probably one of the most time. hilarious fucking things I've ever heard in my goddamn life because it's fucking goddamn true. No, yeah. There's a chance. If I rolled the dice, they're coming up evens that that is probably what was fucking happening it's in the next certain amount of time. <laughs> I like, I'm week. so tired of pretending that these weak motherfuckers on our planet are are here for a fucking purpose. No. Like they have some grand they don't. They don't have a grand reason. They they make no difference in their fucking shit. All they do is make shit worse. And then when the people like the people of Dublin rise up and say we're tired of this fucking shit. They're so tired of it that they make mistakes. They start shit on fire and they Car bombs. clash with the cops. And yeah, I, the Irish people have yeah, don't they got a they history? Got a history here. <laughs> they got a history. I mean, don't so, get me wrong. I'm fucking down, but and so and then they activate the the news story says they put four hundred cops into this. It's like hold the goddamn phone. What if and just hear me out here, you put all four hundred of those same fucking cops on the street today to go clean up the crime that's actually fucking happening. Hey, only maybe if, uh, these people wouldn't be rioting because there's no cops on the streets cleaning up the fucking shit. It's only if Ping is coming into town, okay? That's when we deploy those kind of resources. That, yeah, that's when we. Okay, if the big bo- if the big boss is coming in, then we, then we get on that stuff. Yeah, gee, many Christmas. Fuck, oh. That guy should be hung up Treason. on a fucking light pole. Fucking anyway. All right, that's all the news for today. Independence training gear moment. Admin and maintenance checks include everything, even your sling mounts. 
So one of the things that we talk about when we're talking about uh, maintenance is making sure you check all the stuff. It's not just about pulling the gun apart, throwing some lube on it, cleaning the barrel, whatever, slapping it back together. It's about checking and making sure things aren't cracked, things aren't worn, things aren't torn, making sure you're, you know things are within their service life. People be like, I just cleaned this gun, and then you pull out their bolt, let's say, on an AR-15, and the gas rings are shot. <laughs> and you're like, okay, that's cool, man, that you just cleaned this gun, but your gas rings are fucked. You know, like when was the last time you changed your gas rings? Oh, I don't know. And it's like, you can okay, change well, those? This is a fucking maintenance item, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is an easy Google solution. So, you know, same thing with like barrels, uh, springs, locking lugs. Like anything on a gun is a wearable item and everything only has so much of a service life. So if you're not, if you don't know what the service life is on the, on the weapon or firearm that you're using, you need to find out what the service life is on those items. Part of this also includes things like sling mounts. And there, there's one particular sling mount that came apart in class just last weekend. Is a sling mount I've seen have a number of failures. And the reason it has a lot of failures is it comes from Magpul. It's a good, it's a good choice. It's a good sling mount. But it has a torque rating on it. And people will over-torque it. It's aluminum with a steel screw. Yeah. If you over-torque steel into aluminum, you're going to strip the fucking threads. Yep. And you can over-torque these. People go farmer tight on these things with their screwdrivers and they over-torque them instead of getting a simple torque wrench. You guys, if you own firearms and you don't have a torque screwdriver, you're fucked up. They're like 60 bucks. And they I don't even know if they're me. that expensive. I think like a decent one that's... I like the wheelers. Let, let me find out. They're like know. 60 bucks around Are they really there. that much? Yeah. Now I gotta know. Now I gotta know. But the Wheeler torque... Ri- okay, here's the one I'm thinking about right here on Amazon today... 60 bucks, you're right. Yeah. All right, so for 60... Oh, no, no, here's another one from Nico. Nico, N-E-I-K-O. looks exactly the same as a Wheeler because it's probably a probably. Chinese knockoff. And it's 43 bucks. So, like, look, you can get these things. They make a digital one. They make the manual one. Personally, I like the manual one more than the digital one. But these are easy tools that you can have for your firearm to make sure things are properly torqued. And that includes sling mounts, optics mounts. I mean, this weekend we had sling come off, we had an optic come off, we had several lights come loose, we had people start low light, no light, literally after sitting there going, administratively change your batteries, guys, before you begin an event or after you're done with an event, please administratively change your batteries. In a four-hour class, I had three people change their batteries. Yeah. Because they got down online and started started shooting and they were like, oh, my shit's fucked. Yeah. It's like, yeah, man. So my point being... Administratively change stuff, administratively check stuff, administratively check your torques, administratively check everything on a firearm during either an admin load or maintenance checks. So, Independence Training Gear Moment brought to you by trainingaz.com, our topic for today, this week, I should say. Building and maintaining mental and emotional strength. So, uh, kind of what we're talking about this week is not how to make yourself feel better necessarily, <laughs> but I think that there's there's a couple of very serious problems that happen in the emergency response world, and it's it's people who want to respond to emergencies but don't have the mental aptitude. I don't mean just like a toughness, but they don't have the mental capacity to properly think through critical problems. They also lack the emotional security or even maturity to handle a serious emergency. You know, you think about the person in your life who has a hard time when they spill a cup of coffee and it like ruins their fucking day. 
they freak out because something little happens. Yeah. Why do you think that person reacts in a major, oh my God, emergency? They're gonna be they're gonna be a fucking liability. Yeah. They're gonna be panicking and screaming and crying and making bad rash decisions and being a problem for you. So if that's you, if you're that person, that's kind of what we're talking about today. So the one of the first things I would say, and and I want to kind of talk to this is something we've talked about on the show before, which is like you know male depression. One of the first things I want to talk about with general depression is this. If you find yourself depressed, which I think anybody reasonably has, I have. I think everyone's been depressed at some level to some point. Someone died, something left you, you left something, whatever. Something happened in your life and it disrupted your status quo. The first challenge I would give to you is this. For 30 days, here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend a minimum of 30 minutes outside. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Get outside. Yeah. I want you to stop using any kind of chemicals, alcohol, tobacco, marijuana, prescription drugs that make you feel better, whatever. Get, get off that shit for 30 days. Go outside. Exercise for a minimum of 15 minutes a day. You don't have to go balls to the wall. Just exercise. Move your body. Go run sprints, go lift up heavy things, put them back down, you know, go climb a hill, go do some exercise for at least 15 minutes a day, every single day. And very, very calculated spend time with people that are better than you. And I'm going to talk about what I mean by that. I can guarantee that if you do those four things at the end of 30 days, you're going to fucking feel better. I would say if you... Let's say something really bad happens in your life or whatever, like we were talking about earlier. Fuck your job. Call out of work for four days and go to, to nature. Go just fill a backpack with stuff. Take a fishing pole. Go into nature. Go sleep in a hammock for four days on a mountainside and tell me if you're depressed after that. For yeah. me personally, and I think a lot of people would agree, <clears throat> if you go out into like – you go up north for – three, four days, you come back, you feel so refreshed, right? You're just mm -hmm. away from everything, away from phones, computers, traffic, all of that shit, and just spend some time with yourself post whatever happened mm -hmm. and fish or climb that mountain or whatever, you know, fucking bird watch. It's so, <clears throat> and I hate the word healing, but in my opinion, that's like the best word that describes it. It's it so healing yeah. to just go out by yourself into nature spend a few days out there, sleep on the fucking ground, do all that stuff, and then come back. Well, you mentioned something that was really important too, which is no phones, no laptops, whatever. Here's another way. I, I don't necessarily include this in my challenge when people are telling me about depression and, and they're telling me how bummed out they are and stuff. I'm like, yeah, man, I really understand you. Like <clears throat> people on the show have heard me say it before, but it's like if you're a dude, you know what a pistol barrel tastes like. You just fucking do. <laughs> all right? And, and you didn't do it which is positive. And it's something that most people don't talk about. And it used to be very, you know, oh my God, you never talk about that. It's like, I don't mind talking about it because part of how I got through those kinds of times was doing what I'm fucking talking about. And every time I talk to people who are like, oh, I'm so bummed. I'm so like, how much time do you spend outside? Mm -hmm. How much time do you exercise? What kind of chemicals are you putting in your body? And who are you hanging out with? Yeah. Oh, you're hanging out with other depressed people? 
You're not going outside, you're not exercising, and you're filling your body full of poison. You could expand on that by saying you could include all chemicals like changing your diet. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're eating lots of, of chemical-rich foods, you're eating lots of sugars and processed foods and enriched wheat flour and stuff like that, yeah, man, you're, you're getting fucked up, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? That stuff is fucking with your chemistry. It's literally fucking with your chemistry. Yeah. So that's a problem. But another thing I would kind of add that wouldn't necessarily be part of that challenge but that I would recommend to anybody is get off your fucking phone yeah. because phones, especially social media. Remember, all of this was – if you think any of this was an accident, you're an idiot, all right? All of this is by design. It is a control device. It is designed to control you and control you it does. It controls what you buy, what you see, how you act, things you interact with. Everything. It fucking controls so much of your life. And the more you're attached to it, the easier it is to control you and how you feel, right? The powers that be want you depressed. They want you sad. They want you mopey. Social media is specifically designed to keep you that way. Because what do you see? Here's what guys mostly see. They see a bunch of hot chicks. Who are they comparing those hot chicks to? All the other women in their life. All the other women in their life. Well, my wife doesn't look like that. My girlfriend doesn't look like that. I can't ever find a girl like that, right? That kind of shit. It's just natural occurrences through your freaking head. What do they make sure that, you know, the ladies see? The life that they always wanted. Yeah. You know? Oh, uh, my house isn't that big. My car is not that nice. Oh, man, look at these people. They travel all the time. It's like sometimes people will mention to Drew and I, they'll be like, Man, you guys are still like, you know, see Drew's social media or something. And they'll be like, man, you guys are just traveling all the time. It looks great. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we have a good time. You know, that's not all we do, right? <laughs> we like work a lot. Like a lot. <laughs> like, you know, I just worked for like five fucking straight days of training. Like, yeah, yeah man, we work a lot. Like yesterday know? we had a 19-hour day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <It's> exactly. <laughs> what was that like, what, on Sunday? Sunday, yeah. You're like, day. you're like, dude, yeah, with travel time and everything else, I was awake like twice as much as I'm supposed to be. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, dude, understand that's just what you're seeing. So if you're comparing that to your life, well, I don't travel that much. Okay, well, first of all, you fucking should, okay? If you want to travel, go do your thing. Like you were saying, it's like, Fucking start prioritizing the right shit. But my point being is, is like, <laughs> don't think, like, don't get sucked into my social media world thinking this is all I do. Yeah. You know, it's why I used to do those funny, um, yeah, I love life of a dynamic tactical you instructor totally videos. Bring those back. That I don't hilarious. know. I don't know. I, I had a good time with them for a little while, but I, I would, I would, ha- I had this voice. I like Pat McNamara. I think he's a really good dude. And, uh, I think he's just a good human. And, um, so I used to do my best Pat McNamara voice <laughs> because he's super fucking intense, dude. And so I'll be like, welcome to another day in the life of a tactically dynamic adaptive instructor. And then he'd be vacuuming. And then I'd be like, today I'm vacuuming the office. Or I'll, I'd be doing packets, you know. Cutting gauze. Yeah, yeah, I'm cutting gauze. Or like a, one day I was hiking targets like 300 fucking yards up a mountain, up a fucking mountain, because I was doing a, a training for a particular group that needed to be able to do that kind of shit. We were doing mountain training. And it's like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. I'm out here two hours before anybody else even shows up. Yeah. Hiking fucking steel up this goddamn mountain. You know what I mean? And I had to make like six trips with heavy ass fucking steel. So my point being is it's easy to see what other people are doing and not appreciate what you have going on in your life. I use (laughs) Drew. I love my wife. She puts up with so much of my shit. And one of the things that 
I'm sure she gets tired of hearing is I relate everything to shooting. <laughs> and I'm not a, I'm not a, like a, I'm not addicted to that or anything. It's not the only thing in my life. It's not. But it's so easy to relate that to shooting. Or I would say shooting to everything else. I mean, you guys have both heard me sit in front of a class and tell people, yeah, shooting is like being in life. Like you can make 10 fucking rounds in 20, 50 rounds in this fist-sized group on your target all day and you make a couple of mistakes and you blow a couple of shots and that's all you're going to focus on. Is those blown shots. Yeah. Are those blown shots. The person next to you, by the way, is meanwhile looking going like, God damn, look how good that guy is. And you're sitting here kicking yourself because you popped a couple of shitty, shitty shots. Like who... Who gives a shit? And and so the point is, is that that's like what we do as, and I, I hesitate to say even humans, it's more of like an, a society thing, even more of an American society thing, where we're so goddamn focused on these little mistakes that we make, we can't see all the positive shit. So it's like, instead of finding yourself on social media, there's a thousand other things you should be doing, by the way, like read a book or whatever, but... Go look at the things you want to look at. I use social media to find shit, you know, or find yeah. a fucking something on sale or, oh, shit, like those fucking Ranger cards we found recently. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't have known about them yeah. without social media. So that's really fucking cool. You know, so there's some cool stuff that I find through social media. I'm not saying I don't, but limit yourself, man. Yeah. 15 minutes. You know, like most people do it when they're on the toilet. I've gotten myself back in the habit of reading on the toilet. Mm -hmm. I used to always read on the toilet, especially when I was a kid because I couldn't fucking <laughs> have a phone. I didn't, they didn't even exist. Now... <clears throat> You know, I've got plenty of, uh, you know, great books at home. I've got back to reading. I'm like, oh, I'm going to take a shit. Oh, let me grab this book, yeah. you know, instead of that. And so another thing I did was I downloaded a couple books on my phone. I don't like reading on the electronics. I don't like the experience. I like to turn a page and stuff. But if I find myself like, oh, my phone, I'm like, no, fuck that. I'm not going to sit here and cruise social media. I'm not going to sit here and fucking play some mindless game. I'm going to go back to reading, you know? And so I've started reading more and subsequently I'm going through a lot more books. And so point being is find ways that <clears throat> when you feel like you're getting sucked into social media, stop. If you feel like you're starting to feel bad for yourself, just start thinking about the more positive shit in your life. And if you don't have positive shit in your life, well, that's part of what we're going to talk about. In the same note of the uh, social media thing being by design, I'd encourage you all to look up U.S. Patent 6506148B2. That is a nervous system manipulation by electromagnetic fields from monitors, U.S. patent owned by the U.S. government mm -hmm. right here, which is essentially mood control. Oh, yeah, thing. yeah. If we want yep. to put our tin hats on yep, for a absolutely. second. Um, it is a legitimate patent owned by the U.S. government. So do with that information what you will. And that's the whole idea is that you are being controlled through these devices. Yeah. Your Alexas, which I, I don't. Oh, my God. I don't fucking understand why people have that shit. That's like just putting the NSA in your it's fucking literally home. in your fucking... It's <laughs> bad enough you got your phone and your cameras and everything else is fucking watching and listening to literally everything that you fucking do. That's bad enough. Now you are literally... It, it, if you've never read the terms and conditions of the use of one of these things... Oh, dear God. You need to fucking read it. You need to fucking read it. It is insane what they are allowed to use this information for. It's fucking insane. And as soon as you activate that fucking thing, you are agreeing to the terms and conditions. It's fucking insane. If you have one of those things, read the terms and conditions. Yeah, and if you don't think that thing is hot 24-7 either. Oh, yeah. You you goddamn right. Well, it's only it on off. when I turn it don't on. Don't be stupid. Come on yeah. now. Don't be stupid. So the point being is you're constantly being fed shit. The more you can understand that, the more you can start to build up this kind of this 
baseline to the strength that we're talking about. So one of the ways that I would say, you know, we kind of talked through a few things here, kind of get back to my list for the show. One of them is uh, becoming a constant student. Stop leaning on whatever you think you know and start learning more about it. If you're an engineer, go learn more about being other types of engineers. If you're a soldier, go learn more about battle battlefields and warfare and all that kind of shit. Or be, learn about something entirely new. Mm-hmm. But stop being stagnant in your learning. Some of my favorite students to teach are college students because even though, you know, I know everyone's like, well, they're all fucking liberals. Not the ones we teach because mostly I'm talking <laughs> about when we're teaching like ROTC kids and stuff like that. We're doing programs through the business. I like teaching them because they're already in a constant learning. They they went from school to college. Like they're, they're so used to kind of being – Sponges. Yeah, sponging and, and, and listening and doing exactly what you say um, that they're great students. Yeah. And there's a – you know, I could unpack that a little bit further and say how it's also a bad thing. But overall, they listen to what we say and they're excited to learn. Mm-hmm. Some middle-aged dude, 40 years old, comes to class. Yeah, he wants to learn, but he's already got a lot of preconceived notions that he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's got some sort of perceived baseline Mm -hmm. that may or may not be difficult for that person to waver from. Mm -hmm. You know, my uncle's brother's cop nephew told me this. Okay. Even when they come to class, they come with that kind of shit. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Um, So it it can be an issue. Another thing with, with learning, I mean, even if it's like you want to learn woodworking or whatever, right? There's different techniques in woodworking that are difficult to master. I think one of the, the, the worst things that human beings lack nowadays are goals. Mm. Goals for sure because when you are working towards a goal, there's something at the end of it, even if they're small achievable ones, right? But then you get it and you get that good feeling and then you move on <laughs> to the next one. Mm. So finding something that kind of has a skills progression, whether that's shooting, right, or woodworking or whatever, those are going to be things that you can progress in and be able to set like manageable goals for yourself. And that, that keeps you in a positive mindset. You know, I think that's super important. And a lot of people, you know, you ask them, what are your, what goals, what are you working on right now? Yeah. What and are they, you working might, on they, right now? They might be a like, great question to ask them. Well, this project, I, this project I have going on at work and <clears> it's like, okay, that's your work. What are you working on right now? You know, what goals do you have for you? Not your fucking work, mm. right? Yeah, work is uh, – that's always something like in in a, a public setting or a, um, like a social setting when people will be like – they'll, you know, meet me for the first time. They're like, oh, so what do you what do you do for a living? I live mostly. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean? What – oh, you mean what do I do for work? Oh, let me clarify. What I do for a living and what I do for work are not the same. My work could change. In fact, in my adult life, it's changed several times. Mm-hmm. But what I do for a living, how do I live? Oh, yeah, here's the things I do to live effectively and properly. They have nothing to do with my work. Yeah. <coughs> what I do for work is X. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I'm an animal husbandry specialist. <laughs> so, yeah, don't become your, your job. Yeah. Build something, kind of to your point. Like when I ask – I'll ask a lot of guys that come to me and go, yeah, I'm depressed. Because I get a lot of feedback from shows like this where people are like, oh, man, you know, I didn't think anybody understood. And now I hear you guys, you understand. Yeah, dude, we all understand. That's why openly I will say on the show, yeah, man, I've had some pretty serious fucking problems in my life mentally <clears throat> and uh, and personally just from some stressful events. And so when people ask me, <clears throat> you know, how what, what they can do to improve – 
one of the first things I asked them, kind of like what you were saying is, you know, what are you working on? But I, was, I asked them, what are you building? Mm. What are you building right now? Oh, building shit will give you such mm. a fucking yeah. good feeling. Build a, build a model. Yeah. Build a Lego. If you haven't built a Lego set recently, I can tell you what. I had children for two reasons. <laughs> one, uh, three reasons. One, because the first one was an accident. Two, because I love having a fixed audience that has to do what I tell them to do. All right. And three, so I can buy Legos and not look like a weirdo. I just right, that's the three reasons. I'm just kidding. Buy them. Children more than that, but, <laughs> but I love like I love that like uh, my oldest son Garrett. He still like buys Legos. He's 20 now, and he still buys Legos and like displays them in his house. I fucking love that man. Well, and I'm I love s- buying like <laughs> Christmas time. I'm excited. I'm excited every Christmas. I fucking hate Christmas. Fucking hate it. All right, I fucking hate it. But. I really like it. I know. Drew loves the holidays. I, they're so over-consumerized that make me just absolutely sick to my stomach. But I love Legos. I'll be I honest. love building them. If you haven't built a Lego lately, you need, like, and you're like, no, nah, that's ridiculous. Oh, yeah? You think it's ridiculous? Go fucking buy one. They got a bajillion different kinds. Every possible thing you could want. All the, like, adult ones that they have now with, like, uh, skyscrapers and, like, death scenes and battle scenes. Fucking buy a Lego, build it, and tell me you don't feel better at the end. There's one that's on my hit list right now, which is the office, like, floor layout from the show The Office. Oh, really? And it's, like, the (laughs) entire office, but it's a Lego set. And that is super high on my priority list right now, as stupid as that sounds. Priority list for me right now, which I may fulfill this Christmas, is the Death Star. Yeah, that one's pretty cool. It's if you do that one, you got to glue dude. it all together, too. I think that's the one that Doc should bring him. Yeah? Yeah. <clears throat> that's the one a certain small person asked for. Oh. Yeah, it's fucking crazy cool. Yeah. And I think maybe it's time for the Millennium Falcon. We have the AT-AT and the ATST and the fucking tanks. And we have all these Star Wars shit floating around. We still don't have the Millennium Falcon, so it might be time for that. <clears throat> They're huge is the problem, man. What do you do with them after you're done? Well, we the Death Star is a so pretty big fucker, too. So here's my problem why I actually hate Legos. <laughs> is because they fucking build them once. They go into a motherfucking tub that we have upstairs. And they're never fucking touched again. So it's Not like, the models that they keep together, though. Okay, but yeah. then they fucking break, and then they can't put them back together, so then they go in the fucking yes, tub. The tub. At the tub of death, right? So I'm, like, Legos. so fucking sick of goddamn Legos I in my house. I would swim around in that tub Dude, if it wasn't so painful. I would literally <laughs> take that fucking tub and launch it from our second story to get it out of our fucking house. Yeah. It's huge. It's one of those big and black, the big black ones with the yellow top. Yeah. It's, you can't even fit anything else in there. It's, like, full to the brim, and those I'm, motherfuckers won't, I'm getting, I'm won't get a second in there, one. and... Full. Yeah. First one's full. They won't get in there and play with the fucking Legos they have. They just want new and new and new and new. Hey, and then Drew, like, show me on the doll where the Lego touched you. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Christ, I'm so oh, fucking sick well, of Legos. Actually, I hate Legos. Speaking of toys, I saw, okay, I saw a fucking ad yesterday, this guy's video, uh, for a little RC tank uh, that, like, blows out of the exhaust and shit. And I'm staring at it. I'm like, oh, my God, I fucking need one of these. But then, guess what he does? He pops down the main gun. Uh, and puts a fucking 22 round in there oh, yeah. and shoots it. It's a little, like, this big RC tank that you can control that shoots fucking shoots 22s. 22s. I really, really, if anyone oh, would like to send one to the office, you know what to send the now. Pigeon, the pigeons send in our me neighborhood don't RC, stand a chance. Yeah, send me an RC tank. I can get a tank Panzer or something like that. That shoots fucking 22s. the shit out of my pigeons in the neighborhood. So, 
so we don't light off Drew's Lego hatred. <laughs> build something, but build anything you want. Like whatever you've been thinking about. Like this week, I'm gonna build a wood box. I've got to build a box that contains our fireplace. Excuse me, our fire pit wood, just because our my previous thing I had kind of Died. overcame with wood. We have too much fucking wood, so I got to build a different box. And I'm looking forward to building something because I like standing back and going, yes, I built that. I put that together. Mm-hmm. Even if it's something like last week I had to build a new fireplace. Now, I didn't, I'm didn't. i not Amish. I didn't build a fucking fireplace <laughs> out of nothing. Independent straining. Still looking for one <laughs> Amish person. One, still on the hunt for an Amish person. <laughs> but Drew had bought this cool new um, entertainment center that goes underneath the, the TV that has a built-in fireplace. It was pretty fucking cool, right? So – Put that together. It's fulfilling also because it was something I had to share with my kids. So now part of what brings me joy and happiness in my life, my kids are also helping me do this man thing and feel good, which is building something. And then I get to stand back and go, we built that. We didn't like hand hew the wood or anything like that. But overall, the thing came in a box and it was nothing. And now it's something. Now it's functional. Now it works. Yeah. You know, all those little projects you've been putting off around the house, start completing them. You know, we did a thing recently where I hid all the wires in the walls, like all from, you know, the TV in, in our room, the TV in the uh, in the main room, you know, where I got these cool little outlets and you hide them in there. It's really easy to do. The whole thing takes less than an hour. But it was just something that's been, you know, Drew's been asking me to do it for, I don't know, a while. Yeah. And so it's like. Since I, we moved in. I need to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, like this is, this is a little project that's not super critical with or without it. Life doesn't change. Yeah. But it's a thing that I need to be doing, you know. Um, when we hung up the Elkheads a few months ago and you know, we're like, we're going to paint the whole fucking inside of the house again, man. We still got a couple of rooms we got to do. But it's like, let's just fucking do it, you know. And, and yeah. over those next couple of days, how fulfilling it, it was to look, step back and go, man, we did all this. Like, look at all this that we, yeah, and it looks that nice. we completed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So build something. And, and as when I say become a constant student, you know, one of the things that I always recommend is looking at, you know, new skills and stuff like that, like I was talking about. So I'll share with you guys, you know, it'll, it'll build excitement. Like right now I'm back into the guitar. I've always played the guitar for a long time. And um, for my birthday, Drew got me this beautiful, amazing guitar. And I, I hadn't really been playing a lot over the last, you know, really probably four or five years. I haven't really been played much. And now I play pretty much every single day. And it's it's really nice. It's very fulfilling. And it's exciting now. I look forward to playing the guitar. You know, my daughter's got a guitar up in her room. And I went up last night and was kind of hanging out with her where she was doing some art stuff. And we're just talking. So I picked up her guitar, you know, and I'm playing her just a nice background melody while she's telling me a story about school. And uh, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited to be able to, to do that again and to to, to be excited to kind of speak that language of music, right? And that excitement doesn't come without some sacrifice. Like, I have to put the time in. You know, my calluses are coming back finally on the tips of my fingers. Anyone who's a guitar player out there knows what I'm talking about. Fucking hurts for the first few weeks. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's being excited to do this new thing and, and to learn something new about something and to, and to hold on to that excitement because – We'll see that with our students. People will show up. They're like, oh, man, this is so awesome. It's so amazing. I can't wait to learn more. 
And then it'll be months or weeks or maybe never that you see them again. And, they, and sometimes you do something again. It's like, yeah, I thought you were so excited after that one class. And they're like, yeah, you know, I took that one or maybe that two or three classes. And then, you know, life got in the way. And I'm like, so you didn't hold on to the excitement, huh? Yeah. Like you didn't hold on to the passion. You didn't hold on to the thing that you were jazzed about. You let the other shit get in the way. And that's why you're fucking depressed. Yeah. Yeah, you got to allocate time for that kind of stuff. You know, the stuff that you genuinely like to do that's not related to anything else in your life, you know. And it's I think the next two things on my list here about kind of building and maintaining the strength is seeking professional counseling. And I've told this, I've said this a bajillion times on the show. Like I, growing up, if you were going to a psychiatrist, it's because you were a fucking psychopath. <laughs> you know, it was like that. We had such stigmas around stuff you know, growing up and it was, we didn't know hardly anyone who was divorced. We and we didn't know hardly anyone who like had tattoos, you know, like it, it, there were very weird stigmas around things. Um, but it was interesting because like everyone drank as teenagers. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like weird, weird uh, trades that you were doing kind like, of, but better not have a tattoo, but Here's a 30 round. Exactly, dude. Yeah, yeah, if you were drinking, yeah, if you were drinking on the weekend, you know, drinking some Coors Light in, in the desert with the boys on the weekend, that was normal. But if you go down and get a tattoo, I'm going to fucking sandpaper it off. Yeah. You know, it was like, okay, dad. <laughs> <laughs> Seems kind of twisted, but all right. But, uh, but point being is seeking counseling, you know, growing up, it was something you weren't supposed to do. I remember my, even hearing my mom talk about it one time. My aunt had gone to some counseling after her divorce, and, and, and I was a little kid, teenager. And my mom had had really been outspoken against it mm -hmm. um, because you shouldn't be letting someone else tell you how you think or how you feel, et cetera. And, uh, and I kind of let that stigma stay with me for a long time until I was in my 30s. And finally, when I broke, broke that and said, no, I, I got to get someone else to look at me, here's kind of how I felt about it. Here's what made me really realize it. People come to me not because they don't know how to hold the gun. Not because they don't know how to line up the sights. Not because they don't know how the pressing the trigger makes it go bang. It's all of the other details. And so sometimes people are lining up their sights and they're pressing the trigger, but they're not getting a hit and they don't know why. And they don't know why because they can't see themselves from an outside view. Right. And when they are getting outside views, it's from other people who also aren't good at that thing. So their, their buddy is trying to teach him how to shoot, but he's not really a good shooter either. And so what they need is someone like, like us, like me, who's got literally, I've seen tens of thousands of shooters at this point in my career. I've seen so many shooters. I can look at someone, 12 students down the line. You both have seen me do it. I'll be on one end of the line, look down the line and just see the way someone's doing something and walk over and correct them. That's yeah. not a magical ability. It's because I've seen that 5,000 times. I know exactly what the fucking problem is. Just seen it so much. That's what a good counselor is. Therapist, whatever you want to call them. That's what they are. It's that they've seen they've seen people just like you. Mm -hmm. You think you're like this unique special snowflake. You're not. They've seen people like you. All right? And... They know how to fix you. And, and it's not that you're broken. It's that they know how to give you the right details. Like right. They, they know how to help you find who you're supposed to be. A good counselor can do that. And if you're in Arizona, especially in the Phoenix area, I got several good counselors. I'll happily recommend them to you. Just shoot us a direct message, info at trainingaz.com. 
hit us up on Instagram, whatever, and uh, and I'll, I'll give you the information because I'll happily pass on counselors' names. But it's the kind of thing where even if you're raising kids and you're struggling with a kid, like who taught you how to parent? Yeah, your parents. Other people who did, weren't really that good at parenting, who were taught by people who weren't really good at parenting. And everyone becomes a parent and says, well, I'm not going to do what my parents did. I'm not going to make their mistakes. Yeah, that's right. You're going to make all new mistakes. Right. You make entirely newly retarded mistakes. Well, I like that quote where it's like, just remember it's your parents' first time living too. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's super fucking true in anything, you know? And so even getting counseling for your kids or with your kids, you know, uh, Drew and I are doing that right now with one of our kids going through counseling with one of our kids, not because we're having some crazy issues, but because we don't want to have crazy issues because there's things that are forming that are problematic that we're having a hard time understanding because we just don't understand them. But this, this counselor we're seeing, he knows exactly what the fuck is going on because he's seen this problem a hundred times, a hundred times easily. And he's like, I I got fucking got this. No problem. And he had us pegged pretty quick too. I mean, within the first couple of things, he was like, yeah, Drew, your issue is this and Glenn, your issue is this. It's weird. Wrap it up, you know? And you're like, it's no different than me being on the shooting line and going, your body's out of position. And they're mm-hmm. like, no, it's not. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it is. And then you change the body alignment and Yeah, they and they start change position hits. and whap, they get yeah. a hit and they're like, oh, I guess it was my body position. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. That's why you fucking pay me to stare at you while you fucking shoot. You right. know, like, I know exactly what the fucking problem is. Just, just listen to me. Yeah. You, you want to be like me? You want to shoot like this? And I'm still working on stuff. And just like a counselor, they're still working on stuff. Mm-hmm. They still have problems. Like our counselor right now that we're working with, uh, with one of our, our kiddos is awesome because he'll he'll sometimes kind of break out laughing during our sessions because he's like, I don't mean to laugh. I'm not laughing at your pain. But he's like, it, it just, every time someone's in here telling me this, it just validates my own concerns as a parent. He's like, because I also have a kid that's about this age that's having this problem and won't fucking listen to me. And it's, it's frustrating because I'm like, yeah. but I'm a professional. You're like, listen yeah. to what I say and everything will be okay. You know? And, and, but they're just like, well, you're just my dad, you idiot. You know? And yeah. he's like, ah. he's like, so I got to take my kid to another counselor. You know? Yeah. The same thing we do as instructors. We don't teach our, our people for the most part. We don't teach our people. We sent him somewhere else. Yeah. Now, Garrett's first professional firearms training, my oldest son, was not with me. Mm. Purposefully. Yeah. Specifically. Oh, we trained. I taught him shit. But the first time he ever went through a class, it was not mine. Mm -hmm. You know, my point being is it's okay to go out and seek someone's outside help, just like you do professionally. You go get new professional certifications for someone that knows more than you to teach you something. That's all that this is. If you look at it that way, I think it's a lot more palatable to people and it doesn't hold the stigma, oh, I'm going there because I'm a problem. I'm going going to see the shrink. I'm I'm crazy. Yeah. I need to tell someone my problems. The best counselors will not sit there and and listen to your problems. No. That is the best counselors. That's that's someone who's just taking your fucking money. Yeah. Oh, well, looks like time's up. Okay, next week, let's pick up where we left off. It's like, what am I going to do till then? The best counselors handle one issue at a time and help you solve that problem. They give you solutions. They help you out. They check up on you, et cetera. They just don't let you sit there and spill your guts. No, that's just, just yeah. Go get drunk and do that at the yeah, bar. Yeah, that's what you do to the random people at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care. That only costs one drink for yeah, them. <laughs> for them, yeah. <laughs> the second part of this that I want to say is like finding a tribe. And, and again, I've said this on the show before, and I say this in my personal life a lot, and that's you are the sum of the, of the five people you spend the most time around. You are the sum, the total, of the five people you spend the most time around. You spend time around successful, 
hardworking people, you're going to become successful and hardworking. You spend time around people with good marriages, you're going to have a good marriage. You spend time around people with well-behaved kids, you're going to have well-behaved kids. You spend time around people who are depressed, you're going to be depressed. You spend time around people who drink too much, you're going to drink too much. You spend time around people who, you know, hate their job. Sooner or later, you're going to hate your job. This is what we see all the time with like sewing circles of, I'm going to pick on ladies a little bit here, but this is what we see in so much with like, you know, stay-at-home moms and shit like that, right? And not all of them, but so many of them is, are, are unhappy with their lives or this about their husband or that about that. And, and sometimes they're just venting to each other. It's not like they're like on the verge of killing themselves or leaving or anything. Yeah. It's just that they're, but then the more that someone hears negative, the more they're like, yeah, man, that's like my life too. Well, it's that only, but that's, they start to recognize more of it or it's kind of like a confirmation bias thing mm -hmm. in my opinion. And that can happen anywhere. Well, they start you know? looking at that myth. Yeah. Like I was talking and, about with shooting. They can't not see that myth. Right. And then that's all they see. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're and not they, seeing they the 50 amazing impacts in the center of the freaking chest. Bless you. Yeah. They're not seeing that. They're seeing that mistake. Bless you. Thank you. You know, and if you, it, it can affect you. It, it will, it will drain you emotionally and mentally if your fixation is on this negative shit. Yeah. <clears throat> I've watched it happen to myself. I've watched it happen to my friends, watched it happen to my family members. I watch it happen. People are less strong emotionally and mentally when they fixate on the wrong problem, mm -hmm. on the wrong issue, I should say, the wrong thing generally. So you're the sum of the, of the people you spend the most time around. It, very carefully look at the people you are voluntarily Being around. spending time around. Yeah. How are they? What, what do they focus on? Are they doing these things? Are they going to counseling? Are they spending time with themselves? Are they going to the woods? Are they learning something new? Are they building things? Like, what are they doing? Because if they're fucking stagnant and sad and lowly and shitty, that's what you're going to become. You are not going to move into a group of five, six, ten people and uplift them. It's not going to fucking happen. Yeah, they're no. going to drag you down. Yep. One of my, one of my points was don't worry about Try not to. Like, there's an appropriate amount of worry for the future, but we all know people who that is all they worry about yeah. is the future. What if this happened in the hypotheticals too? <clears throat> Fuck it. If it happens, it happens. You deal with it then when it happens, right? Yeah, obviously there's like, you know, you plan out certain things and that's fine. Like, for me, example, I plan things to like the most minute detail because it's how my brain works, right? And it helps me stay on time and efficient and all those things. That's not me worrying about the future. That's just me doing my planning process. But I know some people that they just hyper fixate on these hypotheticals and it really brings them down because then again, all they do is fixate on the negative things. Well, what if, what if this happens and it's, what if that happens? And if we do this, then this might happen. Fuck it. Just live your life. And if it happens, it happens and you deal with it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I know a lot of people where that has caused them like a lot of genuine stress and, and stuff like that. You know, they hyper fixate on, mm -hmm. on the future. And it, I just don't find it worth it because why, you know? It's good to have, like you were mentioning earlier, goals and plans and things like that. And it's good to have that. But yes, uh, it's the worry, the overthinking. Yeah. You know, the, the worrying too much about things sometimes that aren't even realistic or possible mm -hmm. um, are things that I just don't worry about. I plan for possibilities. Right. But I'm not worried about things that don't have a high rate of probability. Right. And so my kind of last point is having t 
tough conversations with people in your life can really help you build up um, your 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 mo- your mental and your emotional strength. And what I mean by that is, a lot of times people are down because of the problems that they have in relationships with people, their kids, their parents, their siblings, their friends, their significant others. I can tell you guys. for sure that every friend that I have who is married, has a spouse, or is in a truly committed relationship otherwise is 100% affected by their partner. 100%. If you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, whatever it is, if you're casually dating people, I don't care about that. If you're in a truly committed relationship up to and including marriage, you are going to be affected by your spouse and or your significant other. And that ties into this as well. Mm-hmm. If they, if you're really that way and you're not feeling good about something, there's a good chance that they aren't either. And if they aren't feeling good about something, there's a good chance you aren't either. And if you're both not feeling good about something, <laughs> then there's a pretty good fucking chance that it's negatively affecting your relationship and or your life. Yeah. And so this is a really important aspect of, like, I having a committed relationship with Drew, if Drew's not solid, I can't be solid. I can't be because this is my partner. Right. It's no longer just Glenn. Yeah. In, in the Glenn days of Glenn and the very younger version of Glenn, yeah, it was Glenn. Does it affect Glenn? Who gives a fuck? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't care. You know, I... Drift around, do whatever I need to do. You know, I never, I never wanted to be really tied down to something or anything. Once that started happening in my life, I started realizing, oh, like I'm, I'm negatively affected by this. And you know, obviously, everybody on the show or who listens knows that I'm divorced. I was the 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 lowest I was ever in my life was being with somebody that was constantly dragging me down it, when you're the again you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time around if one of those people is one of the most important people in your life your significant other and they aren't doing these things they're not trying to learn they're not trying to build they're not trying to improve they're not going to go to counseling they're not going to help you out they're not going to back you up they're not trying to do anything for them that's going to drag you down too and the only way to separate yourself and step away from that in my opinion is to literally say, I've got to do this for me and see if they follow. And they might follow. And if they don't, fucking end that relationship. Yeah. Or if they don't support you doing those things. And the relationship. You know what I mean? If you're like, hey, you don't have to do this with me, but I'm going to start doing X, Y, Z because I really need to. And they're like, against that, fucking. Adios. Bye-bye. I don't care how many years it's been. You know what I mean? I don't care how many years. People are like, it's been a lot of years. Guys, that was, my first marriage was a long fucking time. I know it can be a lot to separate from that many years, but I'm telling you the night and day difference between my relationship, which I, as uh, what, what's what's that funny comedian? Uh, Dane Cook likes to call it a relationship. All right? <laughs> my relationship, all right, which was my first marriage, and my relationship with Drew are two very different things. You know, in one, I don't have support, didn't have support, didn't understand uh, what it was like to have a partner, a friend. I had yeah. a wife. 
a, a legally married wife. That's what I had. I had yeah. nothing else. And now I have a partner, a companion, a friend. I have someone that when the chips are down, it's like we don't fight or anything like that. But when the chips are down, I know that she's she's going to be there. Yeah. You know, and and if, when her chips are down, I'm going to be there. And sometimes you have to have what I'm talking about here, these tough conversations where you have to go to someone that you know has massive influence over how you feel mm-hmm. and how you think and what you do. And you have to go to them and say, this is affecting me. And that should empower them. Like when Drew comes to me and says, what you're doing in this way, shape, or form is affecting me. That empowers me as a partner and as a companion to say, this is how much influence I have over this person. And if I have this much influence over this person, they must genuinely care about me. Because right. we're not talking about narcissistic controlling relationships here. Right. That's psychopathic shit. I'm talking about good, healthy, functioning shit. If you're being controlled by someone, that's an entirely different fucking problem. But this is like, I have so much influence, so I better be fucking careful with what I do. Right. I've got to be careful with how I treat, what I say, because I have this much influence over this person. And your partner should be doing the same thing to you. I have so much influence over how this person thinks and feels and understands and processes information. I better be really fucking careful with what I say because that's the kind of thing that could wreck them. It could wreck their confidence. It could wreck their day. It could mm-hmm. wreck – I don't even know. I don't even know the long-lasting effects right. that that could have. So if I just am having a bad day, I need to remember why and who I'm having a bad day against. Yeah. And having those tough conversations with the people you love. For a long time in my life, my father was very important to, you know, his acceptance or his, not acceptance, his validation of me was very important, you know, because he was up to that point in my life, the greatest man that I knew. Yeah, And so I was always measuring myself up against my father. And so as I became, you know, into my younger years of, of adulthood, I just wanted my dad to say, yes, you are a man like me. And it was important. And he did. My dad did a great job of validating me. He, he, did, he really did an awesome job. And, but I would, you know, I would, pro- I would prove things to my dad. And he knew I was proving things to him. You know, the first time I ever killed an elk all by myself, you know, without my dad. You know, I was an adult. And it was like all by myself, killed an elk, dressed out an elk, packed out an elk. That's family heritage stuff for us elk hunting. And I did it by myself. My dad knew exactly what I fucking wanted when I called him up and told him. Yeah. He wasn't like, oh, good kill. Congratulations. Send me some photos. My dad was like, you are a Stilson man. You're, you're a fucking man. You know, that's fucking awesome. He didn't say fucking. My dad didn't say that. But, <clears throat> you know, sometimes he does, but not often. But he's just like, you're a man. You're a Stilson man. You are, yeah, your grandfather's proud of you. I'm proud of you. Like, it was, it was all I wanted to hear in that freaking moment, mm-hmm. you know, was that he validated me in that because he appreciated how important his influences were on me. If I fixed something by myself, you know, in those early years, my dad would, did a great job at validating that. Yeah. Look at what you did. You did a great job. You built this. He didn't come over and was critical because he could do a better job on like fucking everything I do, yeah. you know? And so I, I'd build something. He'd come over and look at it and go, wow, that's really good, you know? And then if I said, well, yeah, you know, I kind of struggle with this. And you go, well, did you think about, you know, maybe using this tool? Or, hey, did you remember this concept I taught you? Like, oh, 
fuck. You know, be like, it's okay. You know, maybe we can retrofit it or hey, it, it looks like it's still going to be fine. No worries. You know, but he was always, my dad always did a really good job at doing that. And I bring all this up to say that you now, if you're hearing this, don't fucking forget that what the importance I'm talking about here. You know, now in, in my life at this point, Drew's validation of me is so incredibly important. I've got a couple friends in my life, very close friends, their validation of me. And anyone who says, I don't have to be validated by anybody, you're such fucking lying sack of shit. Then why do you do anything in your then life? Then why do you fucking anything? Yeah. You're, you're, I'm just trying to prove to myself. No one else matters. Okay. Okay, guy. I, I can Whatever you fucking say, <laughs> yeah. fella. I can tell you a lot of yeah. things I've done in my life, not for validation per se, but to save face. Things oh, that yeah. like I really didn't want to do or yeah. were very uncomfortable, mm -hmm. you know, where I was like, no, I have to do this because the perceived image, and this was in different jobs, but I was like, I, you cannot be that weak link in the chain. You know what I mean? So anyone who says that is full of shit. And so my point of bringing this up in a concept of building and maintaining mental and emotional strength is remember the influence that other people are having on you and make sure that you're in the correct types of relationships and making sure that you are being as good as you can be in that relationship. Mm -hmm. I make mistakes today with my kids. I snapped at one of our kids the other day and it was totally fucking uncalled for. It was, I was upset about something totally unrelated to anything anything that they could have possibly fucking been involved with. There was no chance. I was out front. They came out to see me and say hi to me. I just got home and I was working on something and I snapped them. It was a quick little grr and I sent them back inside. I finished what I was doing and I was like, man, that was fucked up. Got to eat some shit now. So now I have to have go have a slightly uncomfortable conversation for myself and walk in there and go, I'm really fucking sorry about that. And not just, I'm, uh, hey, I'm really sorry, kid. It's like, let me hug you and tell you I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done it, and here's why. It wasn't, it was totally uncalled for. You didn't deserve that. You can't, you were coming out to say hi to me. I know why you were coming out to see, you know, you hadn't seen me all day. You were coming out to see me. I fucked up. Yeah. I fucked up, and I'm sorry. Can you, can you accept my apology? I'm very specific when I apologize. Like, can you accept... My apology, because I'm really, really am genuinely sorry. It's not just like, hey, sorry I snapped at you. Oh, it's okay, Dad. I know you're under a lot of stress. All right, hey, thanks for understanding. Like, don't, that's not a fucking they apology. They don't conceptualize that either. Like, they're fucking kids. Yeah, they don't, they don't even know. understand what the fuck just happened. And now I'm teaching them. Furthermore, I'm teaching them how to be fucked up like me. Oh, great. Yeah. Just what I want. Like, no, yeah. I don't want that. So my point being is to build and maintain this, this strength that we're talking about, this mental and emotional strength. Understand the effect that you're having on other people just as much as the effect that they're having on you. Mm -hmm. Because through me potentially strengthening that kid through my interaction with her, she'll be stronger for me too. And she'll be stronger for Drew. And she'll be stronger for her siblings. Right. And she'll be stronger for her spouse in the future, her friends, her people, whoever she's going to have to go out in the world and be a, a tribe with. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole purpose of having that tribe is to kind of validate each other. We work through this idea of trying to constantly make each other better. It's like, again, if you look around the room, I've heard before, right? You look around the room, you're the smartest person in the room. Get the fuck out. You're in the wrong room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go to a room where you're, where you're not the smartest person in the room. Surround yourself with people that can improve you so that you can be improved. Yeah. You know, so overall, like, I think a lot of this kind of building and maintaining strength for most people, it, it's not a fucking motivational speech. It's not a book. It's not a program. 
It's not some anything. It's just making some simple changes in your life with how you view things like you were talking about, who you surround yourself with, how you're absorbing or putting out energy. Mm-hmm. All of that has to do with it. And through that toughness, then you can be a better responder. You can be a better member of a team that's got to go kick down doors and do shit. Yeah. And that that's a, a huge part of like, when people think about teamwork, right, they often think about professional sports or military special operations teams, stuff like that. People forget that in those environments, peering out is a real thing. Oh, fuck yeah. There are people who on a professional sports team go, I don't care how much money that guy's worth. Nobody oh. wants to fucking play with him. Yeah. And he'll go, he'll leave the team. Special operations, they're like, I don't give a fuck how well that guy did in selection. Nobody here fucking likes him. You know, he's a Debbie Downer. He's fucking negative energy. He's a fucking liar, cheater, thief, whatever. Get him the fuck out of here, dude. Yep. He's fucking no good as a human. You can be peered out in those environments. The last thing you want is to get to a team, have all the, you're like, I can run, I can shoot, I can fight, I can land nav, I can comms, I can survive, I can homestead, I can do all these cool skills. And everyone's like, yeah, but you're a fucking Debbie Downing asshole. Well, I mean, go back to last week's show. My kind of biggest thing was just be a good dude when we're talking about the mm-hmm. leadership thing. Mm-hmm. Just be a good dude, do good dude things. And that solves like 90% of your problems. And remember Promise. that taking care of yourself doesn't mean being selfish. Yeah. Like that whole self-care mm-hmm. fucking movement where it's well, – if, it, if it doesn't – if it's not for <clears throat> me, then it doesn't fucking matter and all that kind of stuff. That no. just encourage selfish people to be more selfish. Yeah. That's – Selfish people speaking out to other selfish people yeah, exactly. to validate how selfish they are yeah, in their exactly. personal lives. Well, it's a big I self love because I didn't start my career till I was like forty. Now I want to have kids because I've been self caring this whole. No, you've been a selfish dumb idiot. Yeah. Who now fucking doesn't have anything to give to the world? Right. Except for your job. I oh mean, hooray! You're good at doing a job that a hundred years ago didn't even probably fucking exist. So who gives a shit? A hundred years from now probably won't exist. And you know, one of the things is like. If you're going through it, some other people in your life might be going through it. There's no better feeling than like kind of teamwork, mm-hmm. succeeding as a team, growing as a team, working through mm-hmm. things as a team and coming out on the other side of it, a much better team and a much better individuals. Like that shit could be incredibly intoxicating. You know what I mean? Drew, I thought you were going to fucking jump in on this topic way more than it did. <clears throat> Yeah. Well, I've just been sitting here listening to you guys because every just time learning. I try to jump in, I always get told I cut everybody off on the arms. What? <laughs> it's only when you actually cut us off. I, there's no other way to interject. Raise your hand. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I feel like this is uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking say something. I do, and then I'm accused of cutting everybody oh, off. Oh, my God. Who okay, so... Like several years ago, a listener, a couple listeners wrote in saying that Drew was cutting me off. And she was in, in this one episode. And ever since then, she can't let it go. <laughs> because I can't interject anyway, any other way. We have a good flow of conversation. Yeah, but because you two flow, there's no way for me to like. Flow on in here. Flow on in. <laughs> so make sure that you guys are building that mental and emotional strength and not just Focusing on physical strength. You can be super strong, but if you're all fucked up inside, it's not going to help your life. It's not going to help your team. It's not going to help your people. Sometimes you need to put aside 
all the physical stuff. I've had some students over the years that I really respected when they would tell me, hey, man, I don't think I'm going to be training you for a little while. I've got some, you know, I got some shit going on upstairs that I need to take care of. And it's like, fucking yeah. A, dude. Yeah. Take care of that shit, and we'll see you when you're, when you're feeling more at it, you know? Yeah. Or I've had people that all of a sudden just dropped off the map, come back two years later, and it's like, yo, bro, where you fucking been, man? I haven't seen you in a class in two years. And they'd be like, yeah, dude. My fucking buddy, you know, died, and then I was, like, really depressed, and I started hanging out with the wrong people, and I, you know, I started drinking too much, and then I was like, fuck, man, I lost my job, and it's like, I was just in a dark fucking place, dude, but I did this and this and this, and I came out of it, now I'm, this is how I'm feeling, and everything's great, and, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm ready to be back out here again, and I'm like, fucking awesome, dude, like, I'm glad you tabled this. Yeah. Because this is not what you needed. You didn't need to learn how to shoot better. You know, you yeah. need to learn how to, you need to fix some things. clean things up upstairs. Yeah. So that's an important aspect of things. Yeah. I think prioritizing those things in your life is super important, you know. And it takes resources. It does. It takes money and effort. And uh, last thing I'll say to my married guys out there and gals about building and maintaining mental and emotional strength <clears throat> is, and I, I say this anecdotally, I have experience because I've, you know, I'm 50-50 on marriages, right? I've got a really shitty one and a really good one. Here's my anecdotal but experience-driven advice. If you're not making your spouse a priority in your life to build and maintain your, your emotional and mental strength, don't be surprised when they're not making you a priority. If you're not making their well-being a priority, don't be surprised when they're not making your well-being a priority. And as I've said to friends I've had over the years, if you're not dating your spouse, don't be surprised if somebody else is. That's one of the biggest things my parents have always told me my entire life. Is, and my parents have been married for 27, 26 years or something like that. Re relatively long time by today's standards, mm -hmm. not by my grandparents' standards, who actually just celebrated their 67th marriage anniversary. Man. I think if I, Drew spent 67 years with me, she'd have killed me <laughs> twice <years> over previously. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, but my, something my, my parents, I love you, specifically my dad, always told me it was like, <laughs> never stop dating you're, you're whoever you're with. And I mean, yeah, Miranda and I have only been together for six years, but I don't think we've ever really stopped dating each other, you know? And that's so fucking true. You look at those older couples, you know, 80 years together and stuff like that. And know? so much of their strength comes from each other. So if you are married, if you're not married, that's fine. You know, you don't have to run out and get married or anything like that. Yeah, but if, don't do that. Don't run out and get married, <laughs> all right? Because that also doesn't work well. Ask me how I know. I've got a couple of buddies who fucking do that stupid shit. Um, but my point is, is that if you are married, what I was talking about earlier with, you know, the you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time around. You're going to spend a ton of time around your spouse. Don't just be thinking about your friends and your coworkers. Like that. You may not even include them at all, depending on your job. So there you go. I hope some of that helps you guys. If you guys have any uh, great tips you think we missed out on, you think we should share on uh, next week's show, info at trainingaz.com. You can shoot us an email. If, uh, you know, something that we say helped you out and you, you help, helps you think of uh, things in a different way, then good. That's the reason that we're doing this whole thing. 
Fitness moment with Drew. So what I have is don't stop training for the holidays. A lot of people will tend to take Thanksgiving through um, New Year's off as kind of like a, a cheating type of thing. And it loses that momentum for you to get back on track for when January comes, it comes harder to do it. Uh, people tend to drink more around the holidays and just be like, yeah, it's the holidays. I've been working out for this whole entire year. So what I have for you guys is just stay focused. Uh, you know, your calorie intake is going to go up, whether it's alcohol or good food and, and getting together and all the holiday parties and everything else. So this is the time where you really want to ramp up your workouts and or running. Uh, I know when I am not in DOS boot, normally this time I'm doing about four to five miles a day. So... <laughs> Fitness Moment Drew brought to you by MRC or McKellar Running Club <laughs> Phoenix. Yeah, it's pretty gross. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Nasty. Uh, run Club every Monday, 6.30 at Chupacabra in Mesa. Every Wednesday at 6.30, Dad's Fine Eatery in Scottsdale. You don't have to be a runner. You just got to be someone who wants to move around and not die early death. Painful, horrible death from not being active. Remember, you can bring us out to train with you. Get hosting information via email info at trainingaz.com. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook as The Arms Room Show, Independence Training, MRC Phoenix. We're proud members of the Heroes Media Group. Be sure to check out the other cool stuff our network does. Next week, we're going to be talking about selecting optics for your firearms, pistols through long guns. Optics on pistols are a big thing now all the way through rifles, carbines, shotguns. How do you pick an optic, brand, style, unit of measurement, etc.? We're going to be talking about all of that next week. Until next time, stay aware, stay safe, and train hard. You've been listening to The Arms Room.